Hey, it's 4 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. You're listening to The Beat on BFF.FM. My name is Nick Powell. I will be with you for the next two hours. We have got a jam-packed show today. Uh, We should be doing... uh, Those of you familiar with the show will know that we have segments within the show... That are shows unto themselves. Today, I think, might be the first time that we have three shows inside of the show. At 4.30, we will be having Beat the Game, our video game discussion show. We're going to be talking about Offworld Trading Company, which is a game from a guy named Soren Johnson, who's like a celebrity in the, uh, I don't know, resource management game design space. Uh, he was the lead designer on Civilization 4, if you're familiar with the Civilization line of games. Anyway, he's got his new game out called Offworlds Trading Company. It's been floating around in betas and such for a while, but is finally out in its full version. Forrest will join me to discuss. Uh, after that, uh, we'll have Heartbeat, our newest show, which is our uh, connecting in the digital age, our social interaction and internet based discussion show. We're going to talk a little bit about Lemonade uh, because we just didn't think anyone else had been talking about it. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting, you know, I don't have too much to say. I probably have a lot to say about Lemonade in the, the sort of cultural criticism area. But this, I think we're going to focus specifically on this sort of public uh, tabloid uh, relationship uh mode of celebrities uh in our day and um and also about uh i don't know about i guess maybe about fidelity in the age of swiping um and we will also catch up a little bit on dating apps i think as we send uh uh christine uh, off into uh for, for a trip to seattle where she will be um testing the waters um <laughs> Uh, so my co-host Christine Huang will be joining me then. And finally, on Artbeat, uh, our art discussion show with Lily Simonson, we're going to talk a little bit about her and her art uh, show that's going on in um, Los Angeles. Uh, she's been doing some media touring and stuff. I'll be excited to talk to her about that. Usually we talk about somebody else, but today we're going to see if we can actually finally get a handle on what she does for a living, because frankly, I don't know. Um, until then, I've just got jams. I got, I was feeling a little synthy, uh, when I was getting, uh, the music lined up, although I think I held that off until the second half. Um, and who knows, we're not going to squeeze in too many songs because we got too much talking to do. So, uh, we're going to start off with just some general rock and roll. This is an album that came out a few years ago, and somebody told me, like, oh, I'm so excited for this album to come out, and I kind of put it on my list and I never really followed up on it and I've listened to it recently and um, really like it especially this song it's a female vocalist but uh, the vocals really remind me of Oakerville River which I a band that I'm a fan of the the band I am talking about is called Bird of Youth the album's called Defender and it came out on something some real uh, let's see some record label that you've heard of. Uh, there it is. 
It came out on... Come on. They got the album right here, but they don't have the label. Bird of Youth 2011 album. So 2011. The label is... Oh my god. I'm not gonna... I'm not leaving until... Alright, so we gotta go to Discogs. This is crazy. This is like half the show right now that I'm spending on this. And it's John Jack Jaguar. Okay, so as I said, stuff that... Uh, which is, I guess... Oakerville River, same thing. Maybe it's the same guy, and he's just dressed up like a girl. Uh, this one's called When My Wings Hit the Shed. You're listening to The Beat on BFF.fm. Oh 
that was local favorite Anna Hilberg off of her album Anna Hilberg. Uh, this song is called Bodies Behind. If you're ever like bummed out and you just feel like you don't have a friend in the world and you're uh, in the Bay Area, just go see Anna Hilberg play. And uh, probably won't change much. Uh, before that, BMX Bandits, a uh, song called Back in Her Heart. Um, off of their album Down at the Hop, I was trying, I was going through a little bit of their catalog today and trying to figure out. I can't figure out, like, I've been vaguely aware of that band since, like, 2001, and I always figured they were one of those bands that already had, like, nine albums out, but they put out a bunch of stuff in the, in the 2000s, it seems. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of at a loss there. I'm, I, I gotta figure out where the good stuff is, you know, what the real stuff is, and then what's, like, the weird later album. Uh, but down in the hot, down at the hop definitely has some uh, some jams, including uh, death and destruction. The late, the road to love is paved with banana peels, and is now uh, back in her heart. Before that, Rat Boys did Charles Bernstein, uh, the Lonely Hearts, a band that I used to play shows with like ten years ago, and um, now are a diaspora of, uh, Midwesterners, um, but at the time they were living in the Bay Area, uh, but they have a new album out, they're still plugging along, that's a song called Susan, open parentheses, Bat City, close parentheses, of their new album, Age of Man, and we started off with Bird of Youth, as we discussed, in depth. We will be uh, starting out with Beat the Game in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, a song by a band who, uh, this is like a new release thing that I've been playing on the show. I don't know anything about this band other than they sent their record to BFF.FM in the hopes that someone would play it on the radio. And here's that dream coming true. The song is called Change Irreversible by Turnover. You're listening to The Beat on BFF. FM.
Broadcasting live from high above Cap Street in San Francisco, California, it's Beat the Game. Beat the Game. On BFF.FM. Right. Welcome back, Forrest. Thanks. It's good to see you, man. It's been, yeah, that was, it's been a little while. This is a bit of a break. We've got you. You, of course, had uh, have changed the domiciles. I uh, I got a a, a piece of like uh, junk mail today when I got home from a weekend in Sacramento, and uh, I was it was it was the, the funniest way of um, that. If I if I was being evicted, it would have been the funniest way to learn you're being evicted. It just said congratulations, and uh, I opened it up and it said Nicholas, and it was from uh, Directv, and it says congratulations on your upcoming move. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I was said to I was said to my wife I was like, uh, maybe Directv knows something we don't. Yeah. Should we talk <laughs> I mean, to the landlord? I'm not a subscriber to Directv, but. <laughs> Maybe again. Maybe they know something I don't. Maybe you got um, you got identity thefted. Did you ever have Directv? I don't think so. No. Mm. Oh, you're thinking? Yeah. Congratulations on your move to uh, Southeast Asia, yeah. where you will be racking up seven hundred dollars a month in Directv services. Yeah. That are redeemable for gift cards. Congratulations on your upcoming move. Yeah. Enjoy the new pay-per-view package that you've been <laughs> using on your credit score for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, All San Francisco problems. So I, yeah, yeah. I, they, they, I also, there was a, it was cool. We pulled up today and there was an open house across the street from our house. So I was like, cool. And I saw some people walking by. It's a really pretty older building, you know, like kind of like my place to duplex. Uh, and I saw some people walking by with the flyers. I said, how much? Is two million. Two and 2.8 yeah. per unit. Yeah. So it was like, or you could get the whole thing for four and just get it like, you know. <laughs> Just pop, just pop four on it. Yeah. Uh, plus, we found out. So our whole housing situation got complicated, as any uh, San Francisco living situation gets. And so we went down the weird paths that people in San Francisco do, such as like we have a close friend, perhaps we'd like to move into like a four bedroom house. Yeah, yeah. A married couple and a another forty year old man. That isn't weird at all for them to be roommates again, um, because it's San Francisco. Right. <laughs> um, and then he actually uh, had recently sold a condo in Colorado and was like, maybe we should buy a duplex. Right. Uh, but in, so for an income property like that, at the current moment, most banks are asking for 25% down on a, the one we were looking at was roughly 2 million. So it was like $450,000 in cash to buy, to like pay a bank for the right to pay a bank yeah. for the and next 30 years. You only had 400 lined up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did not have... I, if I had $400,000 in cash just lying around waiting to do something, I'd probably buy property just about anywhere it's else. like a, a Rolls Royce. Yeah. I'd buy a Rolls Royce. I'd just put uh, it in gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Well, sounds good. Uh, so we are here today to talk about Off-World Trading Company, a mere $30. A mere um, $30. Well, yeah. right now it's on sale, 25% off on Steam. Because at thirty dollars, at thirty dollars, it would be forty. Otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't give you the penny. I guess they're rounding up the penny. 
It should be thirty nine. It should be twenty nine ninety eight seven five. I bet they. Um, I bet they rounded their percentages on you. Yeah. Anyway, they get you every time. It's more like a twenty four point nine percent off. Then. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, speaking of which, let's just get this out of the way right now. We both bought the game, and both at the same time, we're like, oh. There's a two-for-one deal. We'll pay extra, and then we can split it. And then we just both did it. Here's the upshot. If you have a Steam account, and you're listening to the show, I know your name. (laughs) And if you tweet at... uh, My Twitter is at NP. uh, And uh, if you tweet the password Edison, that's the password Edison, uh, you'll be awarded with a... uh, a uh, download code for the game. Uh, we so. have we have two, but you should act quickly because. Well, we might keep one. There are two listeners out there, and if you both call in, you might lose out. Wait, yeah. three listeners out there. All right. That's not actually uh, true. I don't know how many listeners. <laughs> right now. Um, all right. Well, so uh, yeah, that's a big giveaway. Um, pretty exciting. Just shows it pays to listen to uh, BFF.FM. Uh, pays so, to listen live yeah, for yeah. all you podcast people. Uh, so, um, oh, right, for when we make this into a podcast, which is on my list. Um, so this game is, it's cool, I, it, this game is, um, is uh, I, something that has been in, like, alpha, beta, early access for a while, and I had watched some uh, gameplay almost, like, six months ago, I think, um, and uh, thought it thought it was a very sort of... Uh, simple game in terms of like it's a map there are objects and you can kind of move you can kind of you know resources and and stuff like that Um, but now playing the full version there's a lot of story to it a lot of characters and and just you know general kind of atmosphere Um, and it's a very complex it's a it's basically a so it was designed by this guy Soren Johnson who was the lead designer on Civ 4 uh, and it's like a resource. I I don't I don't know if resource management is the right term, but I, yeah, it is. I would describe it as a real time strategy game where uh, you don't build armies, you just uh, have money. Um, so some people described it as a trading game, and there's definitely a lot of aspects of like manipulating the market and right. stuff like that. But uh, and there are some effects that are you know violent and probably wouldn't be allowed in like for example american business practices but uh at heart but it's, yeah but they're not they don't they're not the whole they're like the the main yeah point of the game at heart it's uh like an economic kind of like simulator. how road rage like yeah you can get the chain and knock the guy off the bike but it's primarily a racing game it's true it's true um or Road Rash. Sorry. Road Rash. Road Rash. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, uh, the game's called Off-World Trading Company. It's set on Mars. You're kind of, it's kind of like a like little bit post-apocalyptic or at least like high capitalism, like gilded age capitalism sort of yeah. like. No uh, market controls. Yeah, like a free market sort of dystopia slash utopia. Um, and uh, and yeah, very much like, uh, like Civ tile-based, you know, create your sort of Hex tiles, the, yeah. yeah, hex tiles, and create you know little um, in the way that if you create farms and mines and stuff like that. Again, you, you're yeah. sort of taking advantage of resources and exploiting them in order to build like a balanced economy, and then you sell and you know you take those resources and you use them uh, to uh, better yourself, make money, and succeed. 
So placement is key. Um, you're only given a certain amount of like tiles that you can claim and that it's important that you use those to best effect. Um, there's some cool modifiers like a patenting system and an optimization system right. where you can increase the value of those things that you've already built. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting, feels like a very fresh game to me. I have to say I am in a weird position with this one because for the first time, I feel like even though it has a real time strategy element to it, I don't have the right, uh, mental tools maybe to like, just make this a cakewalk. So like mm -hmm. if, if this was like, you know, a first person shooter where you trade, bullets or whatever like i feel like i'd do okay but i absolutely cannot master the end game of this mm -hmm. i like i am i'm reasonably strong at the beginning parts of it but i just cannot beat the computer when it comes to the late stages of this yeah. game it's a for it's i mean it's an, it's an interesting game it's it's really complicated obviously i mean there are in just in terms of like you know basic concepts of complexity like there are a lot there's a lot going on there are a lot of different you know, a lot of different resources, a lot of different options. There's, like, a whole tech tree. But then there's also, like, um, you know, a lot of different considerations that you have to kind of keep in your mind at once. I mean, basically, you have, like, a dynamic market of every single thing that's... Every single thing you need to use in the game is, is priced dynamically, right? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. you're constantly... You know, you're you, you, the calculus of what you should be doing is constantly changing. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I think one of the reasons I keep getting in trouble is I cannot manage my debt, my, like, leverage factor properly. Mm -hmm. So um, in the early stages, just like, just like a, I feel like this game would be very good for startup founders um, because in the early stages, you really need to like essentially just go crazy with your debt like right. don't turn anything into cash just try to get borrow everything yeah because and the game sort of tells you that i mean yeah. they point you in that direction in the way like sort of in almost like a wry and like you know sort of snarky kind of way where yeah just like why would you pay off debt yeah don't do that don't do that yet it's not yeah. the right thing to do um, but then those games where I'm like, okay, we're just gonna like, until we hit you, your base can get upgraded, uh, and you get more tiles to claim there. That's basically the only purpose of upgrading it, but it's also a good rule of thumb. So there's like five levels in your starting base. Once I get to level three, uh, I, I was just like, I'm just going to go full out with debt. I'm going to outbid everything. I'm going to try to get all the auctions until I hit level three. And then I'm going to try to pay down my debt. By then it was just too high. Yeah. And I had lost access to all the black market tools. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I don't know. I still got to figure it out, but <laughs> it's interesting because it's frustrating because I was telling someone else it's frustrating because I usually play video games to relax. Um, and because most video games are so easy for me, not, not because I really feel like I have like some sort of native talent, but because I've just been playing since like there was a computer in my home. My dad was a engineer. Uh, there was a computer in, in my home since basically I could like talk. Uh, yeah. So I've just been playing video games forever. And so a lot of games are really easy for me. And it's just like, I get in the, like get on the rails and I can just like kind of phone it in yeah. and do at least well enough to, to finish it. But with this one, like, it's frustrating because it isn't that simple, right? It's not very relaxing, but it's also fun because it's a challenge again, you know? Right. 
Yeah, so that's an interesting point because, like, I like I'm you know in getting into this game, like I'm excited about this game um, for a couple of reasons because you know I have that same thing right where I think you know sometimes games are just sort of like stressful and you kind of don't want to play them. Uh, I, part of that is like they demand too much of your attention and that could be for a couple of reasons right like a lot of games just demand all of your attention because they're basically like movies and if you're yeah. watching a movie it doesn't really make sense to just half pay attention to a movie yeah this does is not like that right in other words the story you don't really need to be paying attention to the story yeah um but it does it does command your attention in that there is it's a multitasking related game yeah and in that way you know, even just, even actually playing it, and just the, and also the way it looks and everything, it reminds me a lot of StarCraft. Yeah, you for know, sure. it has a very StarCraft kind of feel to it, and that's actually one of the things I'm excited about is that it's like StarCraft, but it's not an, a, a combat game, yeah. and so it's sort of a little bit lets you do your own thing yeah. a little bit more yeah. than StarCraft, where you're just basically. You know, you you might be able to run your strategy, but any game you go into, there's a there's a twenty five to fifty percent chance that you're going to be able to stick to your actual strategy, and the rest of the time you're just going to be reacting to some other aggressive yeah, strategy of someone yeah. else. Well, the other thing that's interesting too is like in StarCraft, you burn resources to create units, but creating units doesn't change really the basic calculus of the game, right? Like a in one of those combat based ones, like you know a zealot is worth a zealot a machine gunner is worth a machine gunner but in this game because the market is dynamic your electronics factory just by the purpose just by the sheer fact of like you are using that to extract cash out of the market can become less valuable and uh it's just really um difficult for me personally to wrap my head around like okay like you can't just cash out all at once because you're you're gonna create other market unless you want to use that as a tool because you know that someone else right. is going electronics right. heavy or something. Um, yeah, it's uh, there's there's a lot of moving pieces here, and I feel like uh, once I get my head around this, I'm actually gonna be able to apply some of these lessons to my regular life too. <laughs> you know? No, actually, that, so that was one thing that I thought was fun about the game is that it has. Uh, it has a, this kind of feel like some of the dirty tricks that are happening in that happen in financial markets are sort of they this game has mirrored them right so you can do things like create uh, shortages like yeah. you know I mean which is like that's like that's that's Enron you know yeah. you just create a shortage and then jack up the price and then make a bunch of money yeah so you can sabotage other people's you know. Uh, supplies of things and then sell them you know the, sell them what they need for that much money for, for more money you can do things like you said flood the market in order to screw someone else you, you know spread misinformation yeah. and things like that so it's really it's an interesting like I mean that's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, territory there to be explored in terms of how you can use this game to sort of you know, which is the other thing. You know, it's funny that you said the thing about fa- like startup founders. I was thinking, yeah, people who are in business or finance would really like this game because it allows them to sort of play with these concepts yeah. that, that to be honest, 
Well, it depends what kind of finance you work in, I suppose. But a lot of those concepts are things that people talk about more than they actually do because they're really exciting, yeah. but they're edge cases that are not being... So it's not like every day there's, you know, someone's committing securities fraud yeah. and, like, <laughs> jacking up the market, although probably it, it actually is happening every day. But my point is, like, in your day-to-day job, you're not always dealing with that. And this yeah. this allows you to sort of get into those little edge cases and see, see cracks in the market and see ways in which markets can be exploited, which, of course, is, like, a learning moment for anyone, regardless of what you work in, just in terms of understanding, uh, like Ameri- like the the financial system yeah. and all the problems with well, it. Well, world world politics now, world financial systems, because everyone's essentially a capitalist at this point. I mean, there's a lot of socialism, but it's all like built right, on right. top of like right. the capitalist yes. model because we figured out over trial and error that that's the least worst way to get humans to do. <laughs> productive things you Wait, know is this the part on beat the game where we make blanket statements about cal- ca- about the value of capitalism i mean i think so did, all right so just as an aside since we're talking about economics did you see the thing on facebook where people are trying to crowdfund um a basic income and i'm just like i did see the world is getting it. so weird man where yeah. people are just like hey give us a thousand dollars and we're gonna try this like esoteric economic concept yeah because maybe it'll work basically income is trendy now um freaking uh one of the big venture funds had just uh put out a job uh job posting that they want to hire like some phd to research basic income really yeah because huh. basically on the well for two reasons one it's really fucking cheap to buy a PhD, and <laughs> and so like the PR they're getting is probably already like yeah like, paid for paid it. for it. Um, but two, it's a trendy concept, and this is the smuggest thing ever. But it wasn't me uh, that did it. Um, you know, the concept is we're going to revolutionize the world and and create an information economy. Uh, that's so highly advanced that 90% of you are not going to be of any worth to anyone, so we're going to have to just give you money yeah, because there's yeah. nothing you're going to be able to do for uh, us. I mean, uh, there are indicators that we're already in that phase. Yeah. And there's mean, a great book you could read about this called Average is Over by Tyler Cohen, but let's get back to video games. So, yeah, let, I'll put that book on my list. So, <laughs> as an absolute, like, because I already derailed the conversation, have you played with all the starting uh, base types yet? No, and I and that was one thing that I noticed that like I wasn't I'm not expecting haven't seen the I seen the alpha like I I didn't I I did not expect that there was like a di- there were going to be like sort of difference it's very Civ right where yeah it's like absolutely. I mean it's actually taking Civ to a little bit of a more level right because most of the civilizations in Civ they have a, what like a one unique unit which is basically worthless except the musketman and uh, <laughs> and then and then they have like the bonus thing like where you know your golden ages last 50% longer yeah. or whatever um, but some of which are useful but 95% of the of the concepts are just the same regardless of what you pick whereas this i would say is more like 70% in other words the base yeah. types like you know, seventy percent of what you're doing is the same, but there's like there is a significant difference in terms of which class you decide to become. You know, to sort of start as. I would say it's very similar to StarCraft in that um, not only does your starting base change your strategy, but also the your opponent's starting right, bases. Right, right. So, for example, the robotic starting base doesn't need water or oxygen to survive, essentially, mm-hmm. because they're robots, but. Um, they have you know corresponding disadvantages the expansive base gives you more claims and the um 
scientific base doesn't have to uh, mine raw materials. They can just go direct to finished products, which right. are worth more. Right. Um, so a lot of that's really interesting in terms of how it adjusts your strategy. And I think that's probably another reason why I, I'm getting stuck. Because I just don't really understand the nuances there. Right. Well, and so StarCraft is a great example there where, right, so um, in order to play even halfway decent, even 25% decent StarCraft, you need to basically go on the internet and see what people are doing. Yeah. Um, And I wonder, and, you know, I don't know how much this game is sort of like the it's, idea of this game is to be a multiplayer, like an online Oh, it absolutely game. is. Yeah. So there are a bunch of achievements that are like, pick a daily skirmish or pick right. a daily challenge. And so in that way, like, this is going to be, like, you know, there are going to be build orders and there yeah. are going to be strategies. Like, there are going to be bonehead moves where you're just like, you freaking like did teleportation against a expansion <laughs> yeah, base like yeah. on this map. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you don't know how to play this game. Uh, and so that's that'll be, so and that in 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 the early stages where we are now in terms of our experience of the game makes us basically have no idea in yeah. terms of what what the game is going to be like. Yeah, I guess that's part of it too, right? So the game's been out since like last Tuesday. Yeah, uh, it's been in early access for a long time, but it was finally released to people who didn't kickstart it um, like six days ago. Yeah, and the Reddit's been started, but like there isn't a whole lot of useful strategy guides in there. Um, so a lot of the strategy hasn't been locked down. I mean, it is kind of like a first release, uh, first person shooter where like you can have fun just running around the map and trying to shoot at people. Right. And uh, there isn't sort of that codified uh, behavior tree that you need to follow um, in order to actually be successful. Right. So it will be very interesting to see how the sort of community evolves after a while. Yeah. It it's. Yeah, it, it and I mean the other thing is you know it's such a complicated game like we talked about yeah. like it's not gonna it's gonna take a minute yeah. especially because it's not such a highly it's a I mean this is a big game and I think people are like excited about it and I think it seems to be reviewed well so far very well actually um, but uh, but it's gonna take a minute for the whole like for the internet to figure it out and then you know have everybody start playing in like a sort of defined defined categories of play i i fully expect there to be like off world two off world three as well what what did you think about what i mean one so one of the things i liked about the different game or the different base types was that was also part of like the plot right or the the character development right where there's this whole like the robots are really condescending to humans because like they're like oh well you're you're you fail and don't worry that's expected of you because you're a human and (laughs) then like the scientific people are like all about uh you know whatever like progress and and they're and they're a little bit like um sensitive like overly sensitive about anything that they can't do well they, yeah. they they don't like to talk about it and then there's like this sort of rapscallion team which are like the people who like the subtext is they were all put in jail for one reason or another and right they're the least. australians of yeah. the game where yeah. they're just like the colony of convicts that kind of use dirty tricks they're not very highly they're not technologically very good but they uh, have a sort of mob kind of you know they use sort of mob tactics to to succeed yeah um, and then the and, last one is like what would probably be considered the standard one that's just called expansive which they get more tiles but they're essentially neutral in other mm-hmm. ways but so that's cool because it's like it 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 gives all that opportunity for all that lore and yeah. and also 
that lore helps uh, again with the sort of metaphor for global capitalism yeah. thing, where they can kind of explore those concepts of like the highly technocratic societies versus like the bully society. So you've got your Germany, you got your Russia, you've got you know what I mean. Like yeah. those are obvious archetypes. Um, I think it's interesting too. Uh, there's a faction in in this game as well that's just the colony. So essentially, all these companies are just sort of like commercial leeches on the actual colonization effort. You know, the point isn't for your company to um, build new habitat domes. Although in the in the um, campaign, that's actually how you win as you build more modules on the colony. But your purpose isn't actually like to conquer Mars. Your purpose is just to help the colony like conquer Mars. Right. Um, so the the non-player faction in every game of the colony I thought was an interesting conceit as well. Yeah, that is interesting. There's like a government. There's an overarching yeah. society that, that that you're operating in. Uh, and your, your activities are sort of, in theory, supposed to benefit society as a whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost like global capitalism. Yeah. Um, in theory. Yeah, in theory. Um. But, I mean, it also is interesting, too, because, like, in, you know, quote-unquote normal game or in the Hollywood movie that was this game, it would be very much more focused on, like, you know, Matt Damon trying to set up the very first habitat. And at this point in the game, it's like, eh, that's not important anymore. Like, the real the real thing that everybody's, like, biting their nails about is, like, who can provide the cheapest electronics, <laughs> you know? Like, who can make the most glass so we can create new domes. Yeah. Who can ship the most water off off world so that we get money for it? Uh, one last thing, I just I don't know if you'd heard about, but there's also um, uh, I had heard I heard somebody talking about how there was there's like a co-op-y kind of mode of this where you can play on a team. Oh, really? Yeah, which is you know how like in StarCraft you could like team. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, where you can share resources. Oh. But and 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 you can sort of have alliances. Um, but then you can you have to be careful, right? Because you can't sort of share all loose resources, or basically like the whole profit, yeah. like all profit just disappears. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so that'll be an exciting uh, sort of area to explore. There I'll- is a mechanic too. So the end, the way that you eliminate players is you buy their stock and you eliminate them. Right. So there is like a scoring mechanic, which is kind of cool. But um, I've also read some stuff that says, and maybe it was for the early access version that. Like you get control, more control over the starting base if you actually manage to do a buyout. It might need to be a hundred percent, which I haven't been able to achieve yet. Mm-hmm. The buyouts I've done, you just get money. Like the base continues as it is, but it's like a puppet state in civilization. Like mm-hmm. you just get money out of them, and then they do their own thing. Huh. Um, the other players eliminated, but all the equipment's still in place and generating cash for you. So. That's interesting. Um, it would you be you can't control it. Yeah, saying. it would be interesting to try to push it to a point where you could just buy out, like buy someone out, and see if you get control over all their claims as well. Because right. claims really are the limiting factor here. Like if you had unlimited claims, um, the game would be kind of like there wouldn't really ever be an end game, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so anyways, this is a good game. It's a it's a good. What I think of it is, is it's like a good frame for a game that's like that. You know what I mean? In other words, I think it's a good game. It looks like it's a good game. Uh, you know, I kind of have to. I feel like it's going to take a while to, to really understand yeah, it. Absolutely. But but moreover, it's a good like you said with the fact that it will be sort of sequelized. 
it's a good uh, template that like was very expertly designed yeah. to create like a really really expansive like set of games within. So yeah, I, I can't wait to be... play Off World Three when they have the everything dialed in. No, that's when it's just going to be a FPS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll be free to play uh, with the uh, what is it premium currency? <laughs> right, 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 and uh, and it'll be in uh, VR. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, I'm glad we're back, and we'll probably be na- back next week. Who yeah, knows absolutely. What we'll be playing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we'll be right back with. Uh, I wonder if my co-host for Heartbeat is here yet. Uh, but I got so many shows lined up. I'm there's it's uh, I'm I'm show rich and and time poor. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the beat on BFF.fm. I'm sorry that I never called you yesterday. It wasn't that the kiss we shared didn't mean a thing. I think about you constantly You never leave my mind But the nerve to ask you out again Is just so hard to find Cause you're just way too good for me But you even my way is hard to believe I don't know what you see in me Disappointments all I'll ever be
This is Heartbeat on BFF.FM. We are back. I'm joined by, as always, by Xteen. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, doing a little heartbeat today. We are going to have a little sister moment here. Yeah. Because we watched we watched Lemonade. We did sure you, did. When did you end up watching? Did you, had you watched it already before like, I, this weekend? Yeah, I had uh, tried to watch it on HBO on Monday and realized you're not you can't couldn't. It do was it. only on for a day. Yeah. So then I downloaded Title. Actually, Ooh, very cool. Gonna cancel it in a couple <laughs> of weeks, but yeah, I I downloaded it and I listened to it and watched it in one day. It was yeah. great. It was an experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a it's a it's a cultural experience. My um, wife. But like yeah, immediately bought it. So um, we've got. I had access, and I watched the first fifteen minutes or so um, with her, um, and then I just went and did something else. But I watched. The, I watched the rest today. <laughs> um, I'm more excited. I'm excited about. Well, first of all, I think the music is pretty good. I mean, I like. <laughs> like, there's some songs I I like on it, so I'm like happy enough. Um, I, I haven't listened to the music again. I will admit right. that. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think, and a lot of people are saying this, that it's like it's not a str- like no one's saying it's the best Beyonce album. Oh you know? yeah, like no. it's it's not. But um, it's uh, it's decent. Um, 
what what do you make of I think the thing we were you know that makes most sense for us to talk about is like what what is going on here in terms of like what is it to put out this kind of video album piece about like your marital problems yes um so what do you kind of make what do you make of it well i think did you see the beyonce uh documentary on hbo i did not okay so this is in the same vein of i actually heard yeah i've heard someone make this point go ahead so beyonce is known to be a little bit guarded in social media Mm -hmm. or like highly curated and i think this is a natural extension of that where she is totally she's She's working the whole vulnerable angle, telling you just enough of her story to make it exciting and interesting, but it's very controlled. Her Mm -hmm. narrative of what happened is very controlled. And there were so many rumors that happened in the last couple of years about her and Jay and the elevator fight. Like There was was enough for us to be very curious, and she never really uh, addressed it, and this is like the best way for anybody to address it. Right massive album that got her like hundreds of thousands of downloads of title well her and jay hundreds of right, right right and made her all this money and i think it's very it's very bay yeah i guess so yeah i mean i i can see that but i you know i have to say well watching it and i'm not hugely i don't know i, I mean i don't want to try and act like i'm above it um but uh i guess i don't know I don't spend too much time thinking about what's going on in Beyonce's love life, but <laughs> but again, I don't want to sound like I mean I spend plenty of time, um, but uh, but I was I had very few negative reactions to it. I think I've heard a lot of like very controversy laden, you know, sort of criticism is like oh it was sort of like she was just you know like sort of why is she doing this or like this is exploitative or manipulative or you know sort of it's like she's trying to be um to control her audience or something or like i don't know but i mean i like i watched it and i was like this is pretty good and like i like watching it and i was sympathetic to the characters you know in the thing um i I did think the connection to, like, reality was, like, that was probably the worst part to yeah. me. Yeah. Was, like, like I was, like, I, I, I was watching it and I was, like, I wish we didn't know that a lot of this is, like, r- really based on stuff. Right. Because I was, like, watching it and I was, like, oh, man, like, some of these songs would be so good if you had just gotten cheated on to, like, listen to in your car and just, right. like, get super pumped. Um, but then I was, like, but... If you were doing that, you'd kind of still be thinking like, "Well, this is not about me," because it's clearly about Beyonce and her this exact thing that I happened know. to her. I feel like people. I think people. I think this is totally in her wheelhouse of like singing about things that she she's kind of speaking for her audience. That's right. why they're so like such a highly engaged fan group is that she's always like singing from like a place of truth but about like a universal feeling that all the girls can get behind so like even when she was with somebody she did single ladies and like that was such an anthem for single ladies because it was like oh she she remembers what it's like yeah like remember when she was single like sometimes she wishes she's single like everyone feels just excited that someone like beyonce feels something that they feel you know yeah i guess so so maybe i'm not maybe i shouldn't be so worried for the people yeah I, but I do think, you know, it's interesting because I do think, and I don't want to get too much into the sort of like more sort of content and like political aspects of the, of or or at least uh, sort of artistic aspects of it. But, um, 
But I do think that there is, like, this very clear distinction between, like, what it's like to get cheated on by Jay-Z when you're Beyonce versus <laughs> what it's like to get cheated on in on some other situation and some of the and some of the stuff that she does ostensibly in an attempt to universalize that feeling in the video I actually found a little bit like alienating like there's a, there are a lot of like shots of like um, couples that are like very very like lower working class you uh-huh. know um, they just the way that you know everything the way that they're dressed the backdrops the way they look and so it's almost like on the one hand it's like oh see everyone has the same feelings but it's on the other hand it's like oh yeah isn't it crazy that I freaking Beyonce have the same feelings as someone who is like literally worth like 0.1% of what I'm worth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they like it's, it's like the starkness of the contrast is actually making it more insane that or like or more alienated, like less like connected, less universal. I I didn't feel that, but I would love to talk to somebody who who maybe like the people who are in the video. Yeah. Well, but they're in a Beyoncé video, so they're excited about that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I from from what I've heard from people of all walks of life, yeah, it it was an empower. If they liked Beyonce to begin with, it yeah. was like a empowering. This is the you know, yeah, yeah. this is the album I would write if I could, or like yeah. this is the music video where I'm like smashing cars with a baseball bat that I would want to do. Like yeah. it was very much like fantasy fulfillment, and and also I think to them it was actually. I mean, it's like oh, even Beyonce gets cheated on. Right, right. So and that no, was, and that, and that that's is exciting. Huge, well, the, yeah, that's so. What do you think? So that brings us to our the next point, which is, what do you think about this whole thing of like how of like living in a world where your relationship is just like so? I mean, that's sort of always been happening, but it's I guess it's so much more explicit now because we have like video of the elevator yeah. fight. And I think it's it's much more acceptable and almost like yeah, like. It's cool to to air some of the dirty laundry so long it's like so long as well so long as you're Beyonce or somebody who's right. like who's popular but there's a little bit of like uh, empowerment through being able to be less private about like all of our our pains. Yeah. And do you our, think? I mean, but yeah, or maybe even if you're not Beyonce, do you like? Do you think it's more acceptable now to like talk on social media? Like, what do you think yeah. about? Like, have you had experiences where people oh are talking gosh. about? Well, so, can I just tell one anecdote? Yeah, go ahead. A, so if you can tell by the look on your face, it's going to be good. Well, a high school friend of yeah. mine, or like acquaintance, she, uh, I was not Facebook friends with her, but I got an IM one day saying, oh my God, have you seen, I'm going to make up her name, uh, Jenny's recent Facebook post. I said, no. Apparently, she had caught her husband cheating on him, uh, cheating on her, and videotaped the whole thing. And like caught him in the act, like in the car with his mistress, videotaped it. Was like, how dare you do this? Like, and she was pregnant at the time, and then she put put it on her Facebook wall. Wow! And it just went, of course, viral in our high school, you know, alum network. And it was kind of like a. I mean, it was obviously it was controversial. Like people were like, oh, that's effed up, blah blah blah. But most people I knew were like, yeah, like do it. It's like that show, Cheaters. And everyone was is, like, and everyone like was entertained, and everyone was like, yeah, if he's cheating, like, and she knows where it's happening, like, yeah, she should put it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, so, 
Yeah, I mean that that's in, that's that brings up and brings in an entire like a whole slew of other issues because like one you're putting pornography online. Second no, of no, all, no, they weren't having sex; they were just talking in the car. Oh, <laughs> oh, well then, like, how does how what does that prove? <laughs> I mean, he was in the car. Like, I think he, she knew who she was, the, yeah, the yeah. mistress, and and then, the video seems a little odd, though. I mean, it's like, what is the video? I mean, I guess okay. So let's let's the video is distracting me too much, but. The concept is, I mean, and I feel like this does happen, and there's been a couple of um, instances that I could think of. There was one great instance on, uh, I think it was MySpace? Yeah, on MySpace, where I was at work one day, and a, a bulletin showed up in the, remember the bulletins? No, but... They, like, so MySpace had your wall, <laughs> right. but then they also had like a bulletin thing on the side that would be like... Like a feed? Like it was almost it was like a yeah it was like a precursor to a feed and it was like you could post a community bulletin and usually be like we're having a garage sale (laughs) but then someone posted like okay I just found out my boyfriend of nine years has been cheating on me for like with like several people and everyone knew this except for me and so thanks guys for telling me this Um, and like I knew the people involved did you know about the cheating did yeah. (gasps) But I mean, to be in my defense, like I was really not friends with this person. Like I knew the person, but like it was same social group. But like I had probably never had a one-on-one conversation with the person, right? Um, and so, you know, it w- I would have been a little odd if I told her. But still, I can understand how she felt, being like everyone, you know, like in a- my space, everyone knew. Yeah, oh, yeah, like that she was being cheated on, except for her. Um, and, uh, and then of course, like two hours later, uh, there's another community bullet board from the guy. He's like, I just found out that she's been down in like, you know, going down, going down to like Santa Barbara and like sleeping over at this guy's house for the last five months. And like, so guess who's the bitch now? (laughs) And I was like, I was sitting at work just being like, this is the best day of my life. Um, but, uh, but, but I, I mean, I kind of like just to kind of relate it to the, the the album like I kind of do like that idea that people can be a little bit more um, public about that stuff. I was thinking about this with a friend who is like going through like a marriage breakup and being like, I wonder if that person would consider like just putting out on like just putting like a like a like a like a nice like you know calm post on Facebook and just being like hey just in case you guys are wondering what's going on with me like this is what's going on with me just because like that's a situation where like people are gonna be like wondering. talking yeah. and starting to be like oh yeah I think that they're gonna get divorced are, are they divorced are they I think they already yeah. I heard they already were and like you could just kind of and then no one's gonna want to ask you about it because they're not gonna want it they're not gonna feel like it's their place so it's a way for you to kind of just be like Hey, like I got cheated on, or not, or not, but like you know what I mean, or like yeah. this is what's going on. My situation has changed in this way, and like I just wanted to kind of update everybody so that you can kind of you know so that we can kind of clear the air a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's what Beyonce was doing, like very in a very sort of smart and uh, commercial way. Right, she's like controlling the message that's the swirl of gossip right, around her, right. and, and making yeah. so much money off of it. Right, of course. Well, no, I mean, then that's, I mean, yeah, there's there's so many complicating factors, right? Because it, so what does it mean to be a performer slash entertainer, you know, and, like, how does that, what's the difference between selling your story as art and yeah. just selling your story as tabloid? 
you know. Did yeah. you see um Kat, my wife got a Snapchat today from Kim Kardashian that uh a direct snap wow. uh i don't know how snapchat works um <laughs> you mean cat viewed a snapchat of Kim. sure okay a snap uh please sorry uh that kanye had gotten a string quartet to surprise her in her uh, in their apartment or whatever when she woke up like she just woke up and like went outside looked off the you know they have one of those balconies inside their house cause yeah why wouldn't you yeah and so she like got came out of her room and like looked down to the, like the great room below and there was just like a like four or five you know four guys in tuxedos just playing strings you know for that's okay that's, mother's day yeah yeah that's nice nice gesture no totally nice gesture and then she was like holy shit, let me get my camera, because I have to snap this to my fans, right. which is totally fine, but I was just thinking to myself, like, hmm, if I was Kanye in this situation, would I be like, why are you snapping this? Or no, would Kanye I be like, would love it. Right, so I, Kanye would be like, well, of course you're snapping this. Yeah, I, I did it is, so you would snap this it. Is part of the... <laughs> right, and then and then does that do they ever have like a really fake conversation where one of them goes like, let's keep this off Snapchat. This is just for us. I probably those yeah. two probably do. Yeah. That's what's interesting about Beyonce and Jay is that they're generally of like on the spectrum of celebrities, they're pretty private. Like they they just are so good at controlling whatever story they're telling about right. their love. But why? Probably because then they to can what end? Because they can make all well a I'm maybe because then it makes this thing lemonade like all the more exciting and right. But do you think it's like a it's like you're saying they're controlling it because they want to like become more and more famous and more and more. I think that they find power. I'm I'm just guessing. No, it's but interesting. They find power in controlling the message and being able to like build off everyone's interest and excitement and yeah. like curiosity. I mean, this is a little bit like Brad and Angelina kind of thing, totally. right? With their whole, I like, almost forgot about those two. What are they doing? I don't know very many celebrities, so like. The touchstones are ready at mind. I'm like, this is like Tom that, and Nicole. Yeah, this is total Tom and Nicole territory. Um, uh, but no, no. So, but but I mean, the, you know, that does make sense. Like Brad and Angelina had this whole thing where it's like, well, we're really private, so we're only going to sell our tabloid photos to like Vogue and then give the money to charity. And it's like, well, that's fine, but like, you're still like putting photos of your children in Vogue or whatever, yeah. and like. In this highly curated kind of way. Yeah. Did you hear that there is allegedly going to be a Jay-Z album response? I love it. It's so... It makes total sense. Right. And everyone's going to buy it. Or stream it on Tidal. Uh, yeah, for right. first month. Right. <laughs> and then cancel their subscriptions. Yeah. I actually set a reminder in my calendar to cancel it <laughs> before <laughs> the 30 days is up. But yeah, I think they're just... They're so astute, and I, I love it. I find no problem with it. Well, okay, but then, so there's a couple of things. So, like, so there's, do you enjoy the piece of artwork, which yeah. I do. I don't think it's good. Um, then there's, like, do you get some, what you just said is kind of like, do you appreciate them as business people or something? Yes. And it's like, <laughs> that's fine. Like, I don't care. I don't really care if my favorite musicians are good business people or not. Like, I don't like them better if they are or like yeah. them better if they're not. But that might not be, but that might just be me. And, like, uh, you know, hip hop in general has, like, a much bigger relationship with business than, like, this, all the sad sack 
acoustic guitar music I listen to, right? Like, no one's like, like, oh man, the thing about Bruce Springsteen is he's a shrewd businessman, you know? But like, you know, maybe so. Maybe that is part of the, you know, part of being cool. The same way that you'd think like punk rock musicians are cool because they do crazy things and do drugs and stuff. You think that like rappers are cool because they're like good businessmen. They know how to work it. Yeah. I just I don't they're, know. They know how to hustle. Yeah. And I would say I, it just makes me appreciate the whole endeavor, which leads into my appreciation of the actual album. That's really interesting. I mean, th- I think that's really interesting. Like the idea of appreciating the way that art is marketed as part of all, like almost like part of the art. Yeah. And I think that if it was like, if it, it I mean, they've built this empire. Like that's yeah. this is just like the top of like the tip of the iceberg for them tip of the empire yeah (laughs) the tip of the empire state and so it's the whole the whole process that beyonce has gone through from like really pop really manufactured destiny's child beyonce to like a a, like maybe even popular version of that and now she's like she got to the point where she was able to make these sort of artistic decisions and i fully respect it what do you think about uh getting cheated on as like in like today versus 30 years ago like i feel like if you knew and this is actually not to get to overly complicate things but this is going to become an interesting thing with hillary clinton oh my it's already interesting yeah um but like that was like and i might it might have just been because i was 15 but, like, I was just like, well, life is over. The world is over if your yeah. husband cheated on you. And, like, everyone knows it. Like, the world is over. Like, you you have to get divorced. And, like, you have to, like, never talk to that person again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, that's obviously not the case there. And here, it's, like, these kind of... And I feel like part of that is that, like, we have so much more visibility into people's lives that it's less... Like, we're less... We, you know, it's kind of that thing where it's like everyone, like in the future, everyone will have a naked photo online. And yeah. so you won't have to worry as much about like, oh, my career is going to get ruined because like a nude photo of me surfaced. It's like, right. no, it's just like, that's that type of shit happens, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, oh, now everyone knows that like my spouse cheated on me. And it's like, it's a little, it's just less of like a, like people are, people are more sort of able to sort of incorporate that into a larger story as opposed to having that be the entire story. Definitely. I think we're just coming to terms with like all the the private stuff that has happened in the past. It's just like, oh wow, this actually happens a lot to a lot of important people and unimportant people right. and it's becoming more normalized for better or for worse and I think that that's just like part of the whole like living in public do thing. you know do you like know people who have like got uh got through like that kind of thing in a relationship uh like a like a real infidelity yeah like in yeah a or something sure yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's a it's like people are taking more of a i don't know if it's totally fair i just hear this is how it is in france <laughs> but people are taking more of like a french approach to relationships yeah. these days because it's becoming more apparent that infidelity is quite common and it's like and, and no one is immune to it like no matter how powerful or presidential hmm. you are so like people are just sort of this is just from 
I don't know if this is just my poly friends <laughs> in my ear, but like I think people are just becoming more accepting to different like different forms of what loyalty in a relationship means. Yeah, that, no, I mean that's and I think that's a that's I mean that's that's the answer you I mean that's your answer to my question and I think yeah, so I mean, that has obviously a bearing on how this thing is going to get perceived and how, you know what I mean, like how like how how do you move on from this and like, you know, craft your public image post this moment. You yeah. don't have to like basically say like, oh, and then now I mean there will until the day she dies be like still people being like, oh, well Beyonce like she's like whatever her husband cheated on her like as a knock on her. Really, it's so funny. Maybe things have changed so much in my mind that I like there wasn't a part of me that was like, oh, this is this is not a you, shame. but for somebody who wants to hate on her anyway, yeah, it's gonna bring that up. Yeah, right? yeah. I guess I'm so sorry. I'm just thinking about the Hillary thing you mentioned. I can't imagine Hillary, like, I mean, of course there's other factors, but, like, I feel like we have come to a place in social acceptance of of infidelity that, like, Hillary is able to stand a chance in this presidential election. Because I think years ago, the the sort of shadow of Bill's yeah. and Bill and Monica would have made it totally impossible for her to right. run with any chance. But right. I feel like now... No, yeah. I think that's true. I think I think we're agreeing, but we're just arguing the 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 two sides of the same thing, which is to say we're halfway there on that. We're not like all the way yeah, there where the no. other people, and there are still people out there for sure that are whether or not it's probably mostly just because they just don't like her to begin with. But they're gonna say like, oh, I would never vote for someone who like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like or like oh whatever, she's pathetic because of this yeah. situation or whatever. Anyway, we got to wrap there. <laughs> oh. uh, no, I think that's a really interesting conversation, and I'm glad we kind of were able to talk about it in a heartbeat kind of way, you know? Yeah. Because um, like, if you want to discuss race, like go on, get on the next show, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, listen, uh, how much longer are you in town, man? I am not in town anymore. Really? For a You're while. Out of here? Well, we're going to keep the show going long yeah. distance. Totes. Uh, not to make a dating joke. Um, <laughs> LD, long distance radio? LDR? Long distance radio. Uh, and uh, and uh, we know that you're only moving back to New York for like three weeks and then you'll be back. Yeah, I'll be so, back. So uh, we'll see you soon. Um, we're going to be right back with Artbeat. Uh, we're going to talk to Lily. Did you see Lily? Have you seen Lily's like all over like the she, the media, man? She is on every blog I care about. She's blo- She's all blogged, at, all blogged up. I can't I can't even so throw enough likes. So, I don't have enough likes. So we've been, um, you know, doing this show for like two years, or like a, I think a year now, the Artbeat show, and we've never discussed Lily, so today we're discussing Lily. Wonderful. I'm so going to listen really in. I'm, you should. And uh, please, everyone, stay tuned. And we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Beat on BFF.FM. Woke up high and my heart was a hummingbird. I fell into the night on my singing slurred eye. Dirt up the sun and I spit out the clouds. But what was just the same is so much different now.
heart was the crucified dove And the name just gets across the cross it in and in and out You're listening to Artbeat on BFF.FM. We are hey. back. Hey, Lily. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you um, for the shout out at the end of Heartbeat. Oh. I don't have enough likes to throw at Christine. Well, you know. That was very sweet. She's a big like. She's a big liker. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, she had to, you know, she, 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 she was just taking care you of business. She has great taste. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very discerning. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. huge compliment. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> let's, let me just, because I don't want to put you on the spot. Let me just introduce for a second. As I said, just a minute ago, we've been doing this show yeah. for like a year now and because yes. we're, 
such cool cucumbers. We have never really gotten into your own artwork, your own practice as an artist. Um, no. Because we didn't want to be like, hey, here's a show about art. Oh, you do art. What's up with your art? Um, but right. for those listening... I had to establish a level of cred as a host. As right. A That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about um, professionalism. It's about media. Really. It's about... Yeah. It's about, about boundaries. It's about boundaries. Art is about boundaries. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, but so, not pushing them. No, 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 no. About just leaving them there. Um, <laughs> so for those listening, <laughs> Lily Simonson is primarily a painter, uh, and for yeah. I think that I would say like the at least for the last say six to ten years, and the sort of primary primary thrust of her art that she's been doing for a long time is that. She's doing a lot of paintings that are, I would say, and I don't know, as, you know, as you know from joining me on this show every week, I don't know a lot about art, but I would say they're right. like sort of semi-impressionistic, like not super realistic, but um, she does sort of, uh, um, you know, sort of semi, semi-realistic paintings, a lot of like... Uh, small like uh like sea animals like um like spidery kind of things like things that uh you know not typical painting um uh subjects kind of like invertebrates that kind of stuff um and has also spent uh, some time uh going on expeditions uh to mm-hmm. uh including to Antarctica um, and doing yeah. diving and stuff like that in order to uh, observe some of these uh, subjects. Um, right. And uh, she also drew a spider on sushi and sent it to John Waters. <laughs> so that's my um, that's my recap of the your cockroach. That's but, yeah. oh, okay. That's my kind of that's my synopsis of your your artistic thrust. Yeah, well, that's our show. <laughs> um, so yeah, so tell us about your tell us about your show that you've been doing, and uh, I'm I'm kind of interested in because I don't know that much about like the whole business thing, and you know like your like the gallery system and stuff, um, and so yeah. yeah, tell us what's going on. Well, right now I have a show up in LA at a gallery called CB One. And the show is based on, as you said, I did a, um, it's, it's kind of basically a residency for artists, but it's through the National Science Foundation. So they send an artist or writer down every season to work with um, the scientists and make, make creative uh, sort of translations of what's being discovered down there by all these researchers. And so, yeah, my show is based mostly on um, the first month I was there out of the three months I was scuba diving every day under the sea ice. And uh, it's the craziest environment I've ever seen. Um, and so that's what this show is based on. Uh, yeah. And, and has it, that, I mean, how, how long ago was that that you were in Antarctica? It was a year ago. And have you been, uh, have you been before or not? Yeah, this is kind of confusing for people, so I often leave it out of the story. But 
um, I the process for applying for this artist and writer program is like a three-year minimum process. Um, and by the time, so I, and then I spent like a couple years preparing to apply, like learning scuba dive and, um, solidifying my relationships with scientists. And, um, so anyway, during that process of applying, I, uh, met a geologist or reconnected with a geologist who needed like, um, an extra pair of hands on his research team that was going down there like two months after we met. Um, so he invited me to come along and be part of his group and sort of make paintings on the side. I think he was inspired by this like existing program and was just like, well, Hey, I can bring my own artist down. Right. 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 So, so yeah, that time I was there for a month and I was on, on land the whole time and we were camping in an area called the dry Valley. So those were all sort of landscapes based on the, um, geology we were studying. Right. And we were looking at that area as like an analog to Mars. Like uh, Joe Levy, the scientist that I went with, is a planetary geologist. So he studies Mars and Antarctica is like the closest we have uh, environmentally to Mars on our planet because it's very cold and very dry. Mm -hmm. Huh. So... I don't want to spend too much time on the expedition thing just because I feel like you've talked about that a lot and like, you know, in all sorts of places. And also I want to talk about the show and I want to talk about your big media, the media firestorm, as I put it, uh, surrounding your yes. show. But um, but I'm I'm like, so what are the other like, what are some stories about other people that have been on this residency and like what they've done and sort of gone on to do with it? Just because, like, oh, it's, yeah. cause it's like, I mean, there. This is like a fairly regular thing, and then I'm right, right? and going it's like, on for at least twenty years. Yeah, um, and I what think... the fuck are these people doing after they go to Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the most well-known project that came out of it was Werner Herzog. It's a um, residency. Uh, I think you told me this. Yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and so he made a documentary called Encounters at the End of the Earth and or World. I can never remember. <laughs> I thought I think it's great, but he he actually was also interested in uh, like life under the sea ice. And I think he was originally going to make a whole movie about that. He didn't dive. Most artists and writers don't dive. Uh, oh, I thought you said die. I was no, like, die. you're right. You're right. Yeah, he did not course. die. He's still alive. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. one of the few artists um, that that went through the residency and lived. Right. Lived to tell the tale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was sort of controversial among the people that there's a big group of, of employees that go there every year, and um, it's almost cultish. Like you keep once you start working there, it's kind of addictive, and you want to go back because it's such a crazy special place. So there are people who've been working for like 20 years and a lot of them were really, so he went, Werner went down to do like organisms, but then he, he went to the research station and was like, wow, these people are so Fucking much weird. crazier and more interesting <laughs> than like the nature. So he, it was sort of about the people and he really edited it to make them seem like extra wacky. Right. Which, um, it's not there that they're not wacky, but. So yeah, there is that. There's some people that are a bit bitter, um, right? 
I can see it. why. I mean, you know, regardless yeah. of whether or not it's a good piece of art or a good documentary, I could definitely see why. Right. Just because it sort of seems like totally. a little bit exploitative and a little bit like, oh, great, and made people look crazy. That's the first time anyone's ever used that to get attention. Um, right. <laughs> anyway. Um, then, yeah, uh, go ahead. There's a lot of writers that have done it, like um, Kim Stanley Robinson, who's like sort of a sci-fi writer. Uh-huh. Um, he wrote a book called Antarctica that's like a murder mystery sat down there. Um, and then there are a lot of fine artists uh, who have done it. But Huh. Um, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Well. So, and then is this show like that you're doing now? Like the first time that you've sort of had? Like, is this like the sort of apotheosis of that trip in terms of like displaying art, or is this just sort of one of a yeah. series? Yeah. Yeah. It's well. It's it's the first one, and there will be more. Um, like, I have a show in Santa Barbara in June, um, and then yeah, some some other stuff in the works, but. It's the first time I've shown the paintings that I made. So this is like the um, beginning of the tour on that album. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is step one, hopefully. Um, And then, yeah, there was like, after my first trip in 2012, I showed that work like a year and a half ago. So Mm -hmm. it takes me like a year or two to sort of make a whole series of paintings. Right. I work slowly. What, um... What have you been doing all day now that the show is up? <laughs> I don't know. I've been, like, writing emails. Uh, I went to Indiana uh, to jury a Hey, show congratulations on your engagement, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thank you. We're, yeah, I got We're very engaged. excited here at the station. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, I mean, I'm the only one here, but we're pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, it's the Royal We, yeah. Um, and yeah, now my, um, my fiance Arno is about to hike the Pacific Crest Trail I saw that. for the yeah. second time. Wow. Yeah. He's done it before. He's actually a triple crown hiker, wow. which means he's done all three, like 3000 mile trails in the U S. Huh. Um, so yeah, he's showing me something on his phone, uh, even though I'm trying to talk about him. Um, and so anyway, uh, we are currently driving down the eastern side of the Sierras so I can drop him off at the Mexican border. And then he's going to walk to Canada. All right. That's what I'm, I'm doing now. So I'm sort of on vacation now. Then next week I'll go back to the gallery, back to L.A. and, like, start hustling again. Right, right, right. But, I mean, when the sort of show opened, what was... I mean, I guess there's all the setup to do. Um, and yeah, then... I- are you doing a lot of like sort of stuff trying to promote it or sort of what, you know, what, what, once the show opens, what, so what is your job description? What's at my that job? Point? Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of artists just like chill after the show opens, but, um, I kind of try to give people tours and, um, like get, get as many of the people I, want to see it to see it and a lot of times that means like meeting them at the gallery and it's nice when you can like um be there in person when people see the work too so i i often visit the gallery and like show people around and then usually like my work is because i work with scientists it's sort of a jumping off point to talk about what's happening research wise um and in this 
case of this show, it's a lot of like climate change related stuff. So usually I have, when I have a show, I'll have the scientists that I've been working with come in and talk about their research. So we're doing that again in a couple of weeks. Um, That's cool. Like two of the science. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Get a bunch of like people who are into art, like to listen to a scientist and pretend that they understand what's talking about and that it's important exactly. to them. Yeah. Yeah, nod like yeah, humanities people um, trying to grasp technical stuff. Yeah, or just like trying it usually to usually works out okay. In order to feel like important, you know, sort mm-hmm. of players in the world stage, just kind of wanting right. to engage with things like climate science, right? Or just exactly. science generally. Um, I don't know right. really. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> sorry. I don't know. I'm in think an I'm, area that they're comfortable in. Yeah, I know. think I'm getting into, into a wacky mood. It's this doing three shows in a row thing. Um, but and I want to be draining. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I. You're not. I mean, I drove. Yeah, I drove back from Sacramento today, so I just t- talked to my wife without her responding for an hour and a half during that part. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not a foreign. Um, uh, practice. Um, so wait, so tell me, uh, if, if, first of all, if anyone has been instrumental in you getting any press surrounding the show and oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you asked my friend, um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about how some people are connectors. Is it, it, it seems like my friend and co-host Nick Palatucci is like a real connector. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because, yeah, funny story, you suggested that uh, your friend Mike Portanova share the info about my show with his colleagues at Atlas Obscura. And they interviewed me and did a big sort of article on my work. And then from there, it got picked up, that article got picked up by like a lot of other publications including Smithsonian Magazine. So this was this was the sweet. so first of all you're welcome but second of all uh, Thank you. <laughs> uh but no but second of all so th- this is the interesting part of this other than uh it made me feel cool was for like i was it was interesting to see the process uh which i didn't really see and that's why i'm excited to ask you about it but basically like there was like this i like i gave this to my friend who works not in an editorial capacity at atlas obscura and was like hey by the way did you guys ever think about doing an article about this person because it's like what basically they just write about wacky shit that happens in wacky places on earth and so you were like a perfect candidate and i just it's just you know all of a sudden it just crossed my mind and then they were like sure yeah and then they just gave me this email address of the of the writer who i just passed along to you and the next thing i know like it was really like a few days later that there was an article up with like a picture and like a whole thing and you know what i mean like it's kind of like the i it showed me a lot about sort of how good journalists are at making what they do look professional in terms of like yeah they just made it into a typical article this person, mm-hmm. I'm sure, had never heard of you before, and then just like immediately, like jumped on the phone with you or whatever, and like, and then just mm-hmm. kind of like formed this perfectly crafted like article about what you do that like was perfectly in line with the the publication, and like it t- looked totally appropriate and timely and everything else. Um, so I was yeah. impressed by that. What was so what it ha- what happened with that? Like, how did they? Did you just like get on the phone with the person for an hour, and then the rest was history? Yeah, I mean, 
um, I I followed up with her and yeah, I didn't hear your question, Nick. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. What did you say before the rest was history? No, I just said like what what happened? Like like you like like you did you just talk for to her on the phone and then that was it or you know sort of what was that process? Oh yeah, I talked to her on the phone. Then I um, emailed her a bunch of images. I think I answered a few other questions over email. And, um, yeah, it's cool how sometimes with, like, one publication, others will pick it up and see it. And I think writers and producers are always, like, looking for content. So it works out for everybody. Right, they totally. Want interesting to write about. And so... Yeah, from there, also, like, there are some connections that I have no idea how they happen. Like, I, there was um, Interview Magazine, like, put in a picture of my painting. It might have been through Alice Obscura or some other connection. And then um, I was in Pacific Standard last year, and through that, this, like, public radio producer found my work. And, yeah, kind of, like, once you enter this, like, critical mass of media attention it like snowballs sort of like katamari yeah okay i like video that game. yeah no absolutely you don't Let have to explain it to me you can understand yeah like katamari not katamari the uh the a really obscure kind of sushi but katamari the video game um yeah and so, so tell so tell me. So just we should wrap up, but just to to uh, you because I I saw you post the Smithsonian thing. So this this was the uh, the the um, the uh, the apex of this uh, this whole event was that you got tweeted by the Smithsonian or what? What was the what was the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like put me. Uh, they just linked to it on their Facebook page. Very cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, that's really interesting. That's I mean, it's funny. Be the highlight of my career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess I don't know, but it sounds like I can tell from your reaction that that is like that's where <laughs> like you're gonna put that on your CV. <laughs> I have to figure out how. Yeah, you <laughs> appeared like, in the Smithsonian, and then you just write Facebook page uh, in like an aster- asterisk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, it's interesting because, like, the way that we think, often in a critical way, about the way that media works, where, like, one person writes an article and then just, like, everyone else just writes the same article. You know what I mean? Like, based on that article. Like, the whole internet media. But the good part about that is if you're the subject and you want to be the subject, uh, then you just get, you just, you, you don't really get one article, you just get seven. Right, right. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Cool. Well, Katamari way. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, I think that's for me. That's the most interesting part is just getting a view into like how the nuts and bolts of all that kind of stuff happens. Since it's all sort of trying to create a uh, create a like a. And it turns out the nut and bolt is you, Alucucci. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'm gonna thank you in my Oscar speech. Right, which I don't know. I didn't know they gave Oscars out for getting posted on someone's Facebook Not page. Not yet. But uh, Not um, yet. well, listen. I'm glad that I got to talk to you about it. Uh, I yeah. hope that one day you will return to the Bay Area, and we'll see you again for more Artbeat shows. I hope so too. Tell uh, yeah, and Christine's going out of town too. 
but is she really she's coming ga- back? Yeah, but she's gonna continue. She's re- she's asked me like five times. It's really it's really pretty fun. Like every time I talk to her, she's like, "Can we still do the show when I'm in New York?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we definitely can because this is really not that professional yeah. of an operation. Like, let's be real." <laughs> Um, or it's so professional that we can do it. Right, anyway. right, right. Well, if you, we'll just put you in our studio over there. And, right, uh, right. And we'll, our New York office. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, hurry back and tell Arno good luck and Godspeed on his trip to Canada, um, which I he's will. currently driving away from. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay. Or thereabouts. Bye. Bye. And thanks, for everyone, for listening. Uh, you've Thank been you. uh, listening to Artbeat on BFF.fm, and I'm out of songs to play because I forgot that after the uh, show, you'd have to kind of leave with something. Here's a cool one. Oh, and this is like such a good outro uh, for our topic of underwater animals. This is Snowmine with Beast in Air, Beast in Water. Thanks for tuning into the beat on BFF.FM. Of all, all time.